Suncast is brought to you by SunGrow, providing clean power for all. Suncast is also brought to you by Trina Solar. You got to always get to the voice of the customer, understand what market needs. And as a technologist, oftentimes we get overly excited about new technology, but technology is the only matrix, right? So it's really at the overall plan, how you enter the market and introduce it at the right time with the right features. This is Suncast. In every battle, there's a front line. On that front line are warriors whose courage and actions shape the outcome of the battle. The world is currently engaged in a literal power struggle, a battle in global energy as it evolves from fossil fuels to renewable energy. Suncast is a conversation with solar warriors on the front lines, building the most noble and impactful companies of our time. We learn their secrets to personal and professional growth, market development, and industry insights. And now, join solar industry veteran, Latin America fanatic, and your host, Nico Johnson. Well, well, welcome back, and it's episode 41 here on Suncast. I'm your host, Nico Johnson, and I'm so glad that you're back with me again this week. And wow, you guys are sure blowing my socks off. In July, we had a record month, folks. Suncast was downloaded 3,000 times in the month of July. And just this week, we are surpassing 20,000 all-time downloads. Woohoo! I love you guys. I love that you love this stuff enough to hear it and even share it from time to time with your friends and coworkers. Well, today, we'll take a pause in the Solar Pioneer series to spend some time with a friend who though she hasn't been in the solar industry as long as previous guests, has done some pioneering work in solar R&D and in setting the bar for women in solar. I had the privilege to work with Jing Tian when she first got to Trina Solar back in 2014 and have been impressed from day one. I think that you'll understand after today's episode exactly why she has been able to achieve the great heights that she presently enjoys. In today's episode, we get into detail about Jing's journey through various startup failures to arrive at now the top regional position for one of the largest and most respected solar manufacturers in the world, the contrast of working at solar startups in thin film and concentrating photovoltaics versus one of the largest manufacturers, as we mentioned. We're going to look at Jing's approach to new product introduction, her thoughts on career development, especially as a woman in the mostly male industry that we currently have. Of course, We also play Hot or Not, and I get Jing to dispel some wisdom learned from her viewpoint at the top of the food chain, as well as some books and other ways that she keeps her mind sharp to run a global organization. I hope that some of this resonates with you. I'm curious what other problems or roadblocks I can help you get out of the way. Would you please reach out to me and let me know how I can help you either with Suncast or even offline? I would really love to hear from you. And of course, If you have someone or something that you think should be on Suncast, you can shoot me an email, LinkedIn, or even just go to the website, as I mentioned, and leave me a voicemail right from your smartphone. It's really that simple. Go to www.mysuncast.com, or you can email me, nico at mysuncast.com. Hey, while you're there, you can listen to all the previous episodes, including Corey Vaughn last week, Dan Sugar, and so many others who have contributed to these 41 episodes of Suncast. And one last thing. I am truly grateful for those who choose to collaborate with Suncast, and this episode is brought to you in partnership with SoulRates.com. 
the fast and free online platform for providing your commercial customers with a credible lease financing proposal. Do you have projects over 100000 in value? Would you like to see how SolRates can help you quickly and easily deliver a financing proposal to those customers? Then reach out to me directly, and I will get you an invitation code to join the platform. Did I mention it's free? Thanks again for taking the time to be here with us. Enjoy this week's episode of Suncast with Jing Tian of Trina Solar. Today I have the fantastic opportunity to sit down with someone that I've known for a few years in the solar industry, had the pleasure of working with, and now have been able to watch from afar as she has had sort of a meteoric rise in her professional career. Jing Tian is a seasoned executive with a unique blend of technical savvy and strong leadership and bringing products to market. From marketing to product development, engineering management to reliability and quality testing, there isn't much that Jing hasn't experienced. She's consistently positioned her companies at the forefront of energy disruption as a scientist interested in creating useful and cost-effective products that help solve climate change, something that I know is dear to her heart. And she's recently taken on the mantle of President of North America for Trina Solar. Jing, it's really an honor to be in your office and to have time with you today. Thank you. Yeah, no, thanks for the opportunity. It's really great to see you, Nico, for after so many years, yeah. It has been a little while, yeah. yeah and it's yeah. Uh, it's strange for me coming into the coming back into the Trina office where I got uh, a real chance to kind of launch a different element of my career back in 2012. So this is this is a real treat for me to go around and see all of the all of the teammates here, Wilfred and Yang and Christine and Dave. It's yeah, it's a kind of a homecoming. So thank yeah. you for that. No, it's a, you're welcome. It's really appreciate the opportunity for you to come back here. Absolutely. I mean, it's really congratulations with your new gig thank so you yeah great. yeah thank you well you know i've long admired your ability as not just a leader but a female leader in our industry you came in a train at a time where there was a lot of um there was a lot of change mm -hmm. and you were brought in to lead uh, the marketing role but wasn't your first time leading product development leading a marketing role as i recall you were you sort of got your start in the solar industry way back at a little Silicon Valley startup called Soul Focus, is that right? Yeah, that's correct. Um, wow. Yeah. And you were a product manager, product developer at Soul Focus? Yeah, I was uh, leading the engineering team for developing the product. Uh, the is called CPVs, concentrated yeah. photovoltaics. Yeah, yeah, quite a bit. Yeah, quite a bit different. Obviously, out on the bleeding edge of uh, of the CPV market, mm -hmm. and uh, you know, for better or worse, Soul, Soul Focus was a great idea that. Uh, that didn't survive the drastic reduction in standard crystalline silicon uh, costs, right? That's correct. Uh, Concentrator just didn't make a whole lot of sense after that at that point. But I, I'd love to know. So first, I don't know if you left Soul Focus before things sort of started getting tight at Soul Focus. One of the things I always ask around uh, around early careers: How did you know that it was time to move on? What was the catalyst? for moving away from that, we'll call it your first job, although I know that you had other jobs before that. How did you know it was time to move on? I think it's always a challenge. When you work in a place, you work as a team. So in some sense, it's a family. And um, the sense of moving on, well, take a so focused success on the side is more for 
when do you think you're still growing in the company or say you know there's another opportunity that way I can grow further yeah. so I think that's where most time is the decision point right. mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. and you were were you recruited away from Soul Focus? I was a partially recruited partially to, uh, on my own decision as yeah, well. Yeah. yeah, and from Soul Focus you went to Nano Solar, another yeah. another sort of bleeding edge technology, right? Right. right. Uh, and was it? I, I I love to hear whether or not it, it was a. You feel like it was a career pro progression. Um, were you recruited into a, a sort of a larger role at Nano Solar, or seeking from your perspective a new challenge? It's more for seeking something different. Right? I think uh, at the so focus, as you mentioned earlier, it was, uh, was it at the bleeding edge. I think it was a great technology. I still have a lot of fond memory of the company yeah. and the team there. Yeah. But um, obviously when the, when you say it was the right time or writing on the wall, it was uh, the silicon price goes down yeah. much faster than what the company initially set out. So then it concentrated, it, w it did not become a mainstream. It's just financially, it was not viable anymore, right? And then at that point, he said, like, oh, what do you do? And uh, I want to stay in the clean energy. Yeah. Uh, renewable is a great field to be. And the back then, CIGS looks great, right? Yeah, thin and film, the yeah. thin film. Uh, and NanoSolar was one of the leading um, technology companies. Very so, well funded, right. DC darling. That's right, that's right. So that's mm -hmm. why I thought with my product development background, I can add a value. So I went yeah. to NanoSolar, yeah. yeah. Something occurs to me, you've been through two companies mm -hmm. that have had drastic change, very, very well funded VC firms where if you're on the outside looking in, through the interview process, mm. it seems like a no-brainer, like this is gonna be a great career move for me. How would you advise someone who, in the Silicon Valley, is perhaps stuck in that position now where, and maybe it's not even solar, maybe they're at uh, an uh, Internet of Things startup, mm -hmm. well-funded, great founders, uh, but the writing seems to be showing itself on the wall. What advice might you give someone in that position, having gone through it yourself? What are the signs internally that someone should look for, that maybe maybe they should be keeping their options open in the, from, from a career perspective? You're kind of always looking at the one is uh, the assumption, the product of where you want to get to market, right? Mm -hmm. So is the market conditions still stay the same? Or is your product going to go to market? It will be still be able to entering the market with the current conditions, right? right? Um, so it'd be cost, timing, acceptance of the market. So it's, it's really a lot of the market signs and mm -hmm. the product where it's going to be accepted or not, right? So then you look at the funding versus the development cycle. So do we have enough funding? That said, you can always raise additional money. Right. But truth is, is whether the product is going to be competitive in the market. Right. right. Yeah. Does product delivery date rescheduling? play a factor there? Where you, yeah, yeah. yeah, they play a significant factor, right? Because yeah. uh, a lot of the time is, uh, you know, if you kind of look at the going back to the soul focus, if it would be the product that would be done on market two years earlier, yeah. it would be a different story. Would have been, yeah, yeah a right. hugely different right. story. Yeah, yeah. nano solar arguably as well. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. How interesting. You've been primarily in your early career involved in, we'll call it R&D, um, 
you know, product development for these, like you mentioned, bleeding edge mm -hmm. technologies versus, you know, the last four years you've been working for the world leader. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, you had the, you had the uh, benefit of coming into Trina just before Trina became number one in mm -hmm. the world. Mm -hmm. uh, how would you contrast life in, you know, the bleeding edge of R&D versus life working for a major global, sort of call it, um, you know, product powerhouse in, in, a, in a specific sector? Uh, I think your daily focus is slightly different, right? When you, in a lot of ways, I kind of feel the decision-making process, uh, when you as product development, you almost, you want to know every single thing before you make a decision. And when you're in the more for what I call business roles, oftentimes you have to make a decision with the best knowledge you have at the time. And the, the, oftentimes you don't have 100% answers, so right. you have to make a decision. Yeah, yeah. yeah. interesting. And uh, you know, I'd, I'd love to know if there are any interesting or unexpected road bumps uh, coming from one sort of career focus to another that for you uh, stick out in your mind as helping you, they were sort of training ground for you. Yeah, but it sort of had to go back to my old sure. earlier career mm -hmm. before so focused. I was in the um, I was a product marketing manager for semiconductor industry, so I had my training ground in doing that. And so, so if you look at it continuously, I had a product development and marketing, product development and then marketing. So right. so it wasn't entirely a training ground when I come to Trina, essentially sure. use my older skills that yeah. I had. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Well, was there anything like uh, anything that you overcame early as a as a marketing or product development uh, manager that have become from a mindset perspective particularly useful or that you've looked back on and said, oh, I'm glad I learned that before I got here? Yeah, I mean, it's like each step in your career, you always learn things. I mean, um, mm -hmm. you know, all some of the different things I've done, I've done reliability, I've done the supply chain mm -hmm. um, development. Mm -hmm. I mean, a lot of ways people go, how's that gonna help you? I go, well, helps me when I work on the supply chain development, I understand the technology so I can talk to the supplier with knowledge, so right. that helped. So to me, it's like everything you accumulate the skills along the way, yeah. it's integral part of mm. who you are and it, it it's sort of like a toolbox. Yeah. You can just, That's you don't even know when you analogy. take that out, right? So, wow. but it helps you in a lot of ways to have a conversation, have an understanding, help you make a decision, so. Yeah, I think that far too many people get into a scenario where they're being sort of asked to do something in a yeah. role and yeah. it doesn't particularly align with where, where they think they wanna be yeah. and they don't focus on mastering that skill, Re not realizing that 10 years later, it's something that they're gonna take for granted because when you're sitting down as the global head of marketing or global head of product for a company like Trina, you are going to just draw from that toolbox yeah. of how to negotiate with a supplier of a part that you need to be able to ensure that the schedule for this product is gonna, you're gonna meet that schedule, right? right? right. Not only on time, but on budget. Right. That's interesting. Yeah. This is a similar question. You've been a part of some high profile, as we mentioned, solar startups that boomed and then ultimately failed. Is there anything that stands out as a particular moment of clarity or perspective for you where either those companies internally began to pivot and it was successful, or for you, you learned something from there that you took away into your next? Um, yeah, but I think it's a little bit complicated to answer that question okay. because uh, 
it's a lot to do case by case, mm -hmm. right? So science to looking for uh, whether, you know, it could be management team, right? So you have like a really top executive team, even it's great ideas, execution, it counts a huge success, for, especially for startups, right? right? Um, time to market, right product. So to me, it's a mix of all of this in order to make a company successful. Um, you know, it, it can't, I can't really point out a one single science. Yeah. It, it's just a combination of this. One had to look for it. Yeah. 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 Well, I'm, I'd love to hear, um, maybe we can take a, uh, a product that you were responsible for in, in your global marketing role for Trina, but I'd love to hear how you think about product introduction, or in particular, maybe market expansion. A product is successful in one market, and you are able to then roll it out. Uh, to the global sales team. Um, can you think of a core product like that that you've recently launched uh, or that you've launched in, in your career? Let's focus on Trina. Uh, that would give uh, some some insight into how one might, uh, moving into a role like that, might conceptualize the, the complexity. It's complex, obviously. I'm not asking you to walk through the whole process, but maybe uh, a nugget of wisdom from a product launch that you've successfully uh, brought to market. Hmm, that's good. Tricky question. Um, so, f I mean, obviously the typical steps, everybody knows about a product development, life cycle management to, to launch a product to market. So if I, if I look back, what I have to see is it's really important to understand um, each market is different and customer will have a different requirement and then how you position the product at a different market, it, it could be very different. Especially now, if you ask me where the solar industry is going, right? It Which is I'm going to do. Right, it is <laughs> going, I would say it's more, um, requires solutions for each of them. It's not a uniform solution. You can't say I pick a product to work well in China, I'm gonna take it to US, uh, for sure it's gonna work. Yeah, do you have an example of one that you thought for sure was gonna be a win and it totally fell on its chin? Um, well, I would not say it's total balance chain. For example, the glass on glass modules. Oh, the dual glass, yeah. Right, what right. What calls Duomax. Right, Duomax. Uh, and conceptually, from science perspective, so it's a great product. Uh, the, um, glass on glass is much more reliable than yeah. glass with a polymer back sheet, mm -hmm. right? But then once you introduce a product to market, it goes, well, it's not that simple. You have to worry about EPC, how people are gonna handle the product, right. how to install, whether it's the system level cost, yeah. it's actually come ahead of uh, do the product itself. Right, right. Now you gotta look at the value proposition because uh, the if you selling product to EPC or you ultimately product to developer, the focus is slightly different, yeah. right? And it could be one is more heavy weighted on the installation cost because it's um, engineer construction costs versus a long-term asset holder, which they more worry about reliability and the energy production. Yeah. So ultimately all this, it worries to everyone, but the emphasis is slightly different, Yeah. right? So, um, the you know perfect example. I think it, the dual max has been picked up very fast in the newer country. For example, in China, in Latin America, in South uh, in Southeast Asia, where it's not so lukewarm in the U.S. market. Right. 
um, I think it's to do with the environment, right? So if you deal with the Southeast Asia, the the humidity, the mm -hmm. the high desert environment, right. and dewgrass clearly clearly wins. Right. And then with the newer market, uh, the EPC seems more open to different ways of installing it. That's right. Right. right? When you go into mature market, you say, well, here's my. This is the way we do things. Exactly. Yeah. Like you ask me to change it. What's my benefit? It's, yeah, exactly. Like most of my product is in California or in most of my sites in Nevada. Yeah. I don't have a huge humidity or salt or right. uh, issues. Or, I or don't, even with high wind uplift. That's right. right. So, so yeah. like, well, why do you need to worry about a dual max, even though it is conceptually a better product? Completely, yeah. yeah. I mean, so you had the benefit of watching me uh, sort of be, think about introducing Duo Max as a differentiator for Trina into Latin America. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we've got a success story with, uh, with the Fortius project down in Mexico, but I completely agree with you in that, re in that regard, taking dual glass modules as an example that uh, where it, you know, understanding from a sales team perspective, uh, who's working in a market where it's actually going to have, uh, it's going to speak to the needs of the installers yeah. versus trying to forecast well we've got this new product and so we're going to introduce it yeah. and therefore we're going to have 10 percent penetration right right uh no but uh, I, I i appreciate that perspective you have a position in the industry that would particularly cater perhaps in terms of advice to the suncast audience uh towards product sales right not necessarily always uh, developers although you deal with developers day in and day mm -hmm. out mm -hmm. it occurs to me to, to ask the question what piece of advice might you give to, we'll call it module sales, but really product sales folks who are trying to penetrate these large accounts or trying to penetrate new markets. What do you see them doing that from an executive perspective because you see you know, 20, 50, 100 different sales pipelines, you have the perspective to say, oh, this guy, if he only knew what this other guy was doing, right? What knowledge might you transfer to a, 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 a young up and coming uh, product salesperson, perhaps coming into Trina? That would that you would say, hey, look, if you really want to succeed, my my advice or a couple of advice pieces would be X Y Z. Um, I think the really core core area is the voice of a customer, mm -hmm. right? You had to understand that their needs. Um, oftentimes, I was talking to people is if customers say A, it doesn't mean it's A. You really right. had to understand what they ask for, right? Mm -hmm. So um, to to you know, there's always a talk about it in the industry, so module become a commodity sales um, to some extent, uh, that is true, but there's still additional value you can add, right? Uh, with the mm -hmm. um, engineer service, understanding of product knowledge, uh, work with the people. So there's a lot of uh, other segment to software, cause soft values there, um, you know, build that trust, yeah. uh, I think, yeah. Do you do training with your team on large account management and how to think through negotiating? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. That's good. Uh, I feel like that's something that uh, not enough companies focus on in terms of providing their sales team with those tools. Let's play a game I call hot or not. I will name a specific market and perhaps a topic, and you can spend 30 to 60 seconds telling me whether you think it's hot or not and maybe qualify your answer. So we'll start with some markets, in particular uh, the Latin America market. Uh, I'll drill. I'll drill down to a couple of countries, and then we'll perhaps come okay. back up to ten thousand feet. What do you think about Mexico? I think it's still it's hot, but mm -hmm. degree is not 
super, uh, super mm -hmm. high. Yeah. Right? So, okay. Yeah. I, yeah. I think it still got a very good uh, utility market pipelines. I think it's also uh, CNI residentials are picking up. Mm -hmm. So definitely is one of the uh, market is everyone's looking at. Sure. Yeah. 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 And notably, I mean, Trina just recently uh, created an entire business unit for Latin America. So yeah. I, I expect that to see great things from Trina yeah. in the Latin American market. And you guys just hired another person in Mexico, right? That's right. That's Wonderful. Right. The team's yeah. growing for Trina in Mexico. What about Brazil? A perennial uh, difficult market. Right. It's an interesting market. Yeah. I would say uh, we have to see what's the energy auctions, uh, mm -hmm. um, the policies that come out of it, right? Because right now, I would say lukewarm. Lukewarm. Right? Yeah. Any, any plans for Trina to be uh, a local provider of product in Brazil? Yeah, we, we're monitoring. Uh, we really, mm -hmm. we still have a presence at, uh, in Brazil. Yeah. Uh, we want to see if, uh, if the market really, the policies become favorable. So it's a lot of uncertainties there. But yeah. I think uh, the market well, has a potential. Is there anything that you'd look for from the Brazil market that would tell you it's time to go? I, I mean, by time to go, meaning time to go in and time to really go full force? I think it's really to do with the, the policy. Like, we clearly monitor the policy. Mm -hmm. So, like, if the, the, when that change, I think that's a... I'm just going to try ask for a little more specificity. Is there any particular policy that you guys are monitoring that would help give you insight? Yeah, we're looking at the um, the overall the auction plan okay. and uh, what is the uh, you know tender. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So looking at how they're going to develop the utility scale market yeah. for yeah. got it. Okay, yeah. that that helps. All right. Well, what about uh, you know where Trina has had a presence before anyone really? What about Chile? We still have a presence in I Chile. Know. I know. Um, Chile market is uh, you know it's kind of interesting. It was uh, pretty hot for a while. Right mm -hmm. now it's. Uh, Pretty, yeah, very soft. Well, yeah, I, th I think yeah. that. Well, do you think that the the PMGD market is heating up? I mean, that's one that's been sort of on the back burner and is recently yeah. gaining some momentum. I'm I'm hoping that would be that mm -hmm. would be the case, but you know, right now it's not that my uh, hot radar screens. Got it. Okay, yeah. very interesting. That's good insight. Any other emerging markets? Maybe not even in Latin America, but other emerging markets you think are hot, or perhaps that others think are hot that you think are not. Well, it's kind of interesting, right? So a lot of people. You think about it in the past. There's some of what I call the older East European countries, yeah. like Poland, Ukraine, is, and they start having new projects, wow. right? Mm -hmm. And the in China started a, what's called a One Belt One Road um, mm -hmm. program with a lot of investment into the country. What I call it used to be the old Silk Road, right? So old Silk the, Road, yeah. yeah. So the um, I, I see there's maybe some potentials there. Right. right. I mean, surprisingly. Um, I don't know if a lot of people know, in the Australian market, utility market is really... It's banging right Yeah, now. it's banging right it now. It is, yeah. 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 So it's a Korean market, too. Korean, really? Yeah, Korean oh, market wow. is, yeah, yeah. How interesting. I would not have guessed that the Korean market was on fire. Yeah. That is very good insight. Well, what about uh, back home, the utility scale market here in the United States, where Trina has cleaned up for many years? <laughs> Well, we really enjoy the growth mm -hmm. with the U.S. market. I think it's been doing very well. We set it a good projection for the growth, but unfortunately, with the uncertainty hanging around the um, safeguard petition, I think it's just threw a lot of uncertainty into the U.S. market right now. So, yeah. yeah. Well, if, if we could, if we could hold there for a minute, I actually would love to get uh, your, I guess, the Trina talking points on this uh, on this particular uh, item. 
I have heard it called a million things, right? Or lots of folks are calling it the minimum import tariff or MIT yeah. or, yeah. or what it, something section 201, right? Yeah. The words you used just now were the safeguard petition? Yeah. Okay, so we'll call it the safeguard petition. How do you feel we as an industry can prepare for the safeguard petition? What should we be thinking about to make sure that installers, developers, and the salespeople on, on the other side of the transaction are reading from the same song sheet? I don't know if we ha can prepare for it, yeah. right? I mean, I think it, the it's very unfortunate. Right? I'm all for free trade mm -hmm. and a free economy, but the the petition filed uh, my personal, not a Trina's talk sure. part. My okay. personally, I think it, it's uh, I think it's off the base okay. with the uh, with the amount of the minimum import tax tariff, uh, which is going to significantly impact the market. I right. think a lot of downstream business will be significantly impacted, mm -hmm. and job will be impacted. So you were you were in you were on board here when the when Europe had a minimum price, yeah. uh, what are they the minimum price fixing or whatever you call this? Is that is it similar to that? Yeah, that we're be very similar. Yeah, be very be similar. similar. But so severity may be different. It depends mm -hmm. on what is the price level. I see. Right. And right. can you maybe can you speak to how you saw? the minimum price in Europe, how it affected the market, what we might expect to see if this goes through? I don't remember the numbers, okay. um, but basically it killed the Europe market. Okay. I was on the pricing, because yeah. a lot of projects become, it cannot realize the economics of the project. Did it right? stimulate uh, new local manufacturing? Not much. Just, uh, just, just basically flatlined the market for a few right. years? Yeah. Okay. That's good insight, right. and I think that's something our legislators in the U.S. should uh, should hear loud and clear that this isn't the first time this has been tried, uh, and it doesn't, in fact, stimulate local economy. It just kills uh, an entire uh, sector, or at least hold staves it off from growth for a while. Right. I mean, because you had to separate uh, the what we call the industry job right. is industry entire. Uh, what I call is a supply chain from right. module to installer to project. Mm -hmm. Right now, is you just look at the manufacturer side of it, but you may save some manufacturer job. But overall, it's like we talk about it, over two hundred thousand job right. versus uh, however many there are that, in Geneva right. and Solar yeah, World and, exactly. and a handful of others. Very yeah. interesting. Yeah. Well, hot or not, the electrification of the automobile industry—that's hot. Yeah. yeah, yeah, very hot. How does that impact your business? It doesn't have a direct impact, mm -hmm. but um, kind of you have to really look at the ways, uh, direction we're going. If we just think about it as a module, then it's less of so. But uh -huh. if you think about it as an entire renewable, renewable energy, then I see we create an entire new ecosystem. Yeah. Right. So from solar to charging the right. the electrical car, the uh, driverless cars, so yeah, yeah. The, the home energy management system. So. Yeah, so actually I'll ask a, a question that's similar to that around distributed storage plus PV. Mm -hmm. Hot or not? Yes, it's a hot. Yeah. Hot, accretive yeah. as well to yeah. solar? Um, yeah, I think that is almost every project, I think most people looking at it, it's all with the storage. I mean, yeah. that's truly getting wow. into more penetration on the renewable, yeah. like a, a grid, mo modernized grid. Uh -huh. yeah. How's Trina preparing for the inevitability of solar plus storage? Oh, we have the solution. Uh, we actually already have the storage business unit for okay. quite a few years. Uh -huh. yeah. Any success stories there that 
Yeah, we um, it's pretty infant in the U.S. market, uh -huh. but we have had a pr some pretty good success in Australian market and some emerging markets. Yeah. Yeah. So for developers that wanted to have a reference point, they might look at the Australian market anywhere else that would be good reference points if you really wanted to learn more about how storage and PV are, well, are working Germany's together. Germany is pretty successful. Germany. Yeah. 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 So yeah. Uh, so I'm talking about more are. for China product uh -huh. into those markets. Yeah. yeah, so case studies for that yeah. for that uh, sector would be Germany and Australia. That's insightful. Yeah. Hey, what are you most excited about right now in the area, speaking of which, of business model innovation with regard to solar? Hmm. What do you believe is the next frontier? I think it's look at the entire energy, renewable energy ecosystem. Mm -hmm. So um, in there, you know, you can have the Internet of the Things, uh, yeah. the uh, energy. You know, I, I think it's a, a Google car type of. Uh, right. I think it's pretty. Then you can look at the entire transportation it relates to that type of application, right? Driverless cars. Do you yeah. see Do you see companies like Trina and you know competitors like Canadian and Jinko? Uh, expanding their field of vision to more than just manufacturing PV modules? I can't speak for other companies' vision, but Trina definitely we, we are positioning of transformation uh, as a company wow. um, from a module supply to a new en um, energy solution okay. provider. Yeah. Very interesting. Maybe I'll have to... We'll have to have a, a follow-up conversation about what yeah. it means for Trina to be an energy solution provider. Right, come talk to me in a year. So. There we go, <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, you've been at Trina now four years, is that right? Yes, yeah, yeah. So if we looked back to yeah, four years ago, you're coming into Trina, bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, you're gonna be you're the, you're the uh, head of marketing for the Americas. What advice would you give that, Jing, knowing what you know now? Hmm. I would say with every job, you have to enjoy what you're doing, right? Yeah. It's really um, um, have a fun while you're at a job, but mm -hmm. make sure you're learning new skills along the way. Yeah. Uh, but then it goes back to you know career. So you're always setting your goals, say what right. you want to do mm -hmm. um, in career. It could be. And it could be like really the top chief marketing officer if that's the career then you trying to learn more about it, um, doing that, or say I want to more go into general manager type of role, then you're just trying to pick up the skills along the way. That's really setting your goal. And then what I call it the stepping stones. Yeah. You do different steps to go into your final goals. Yeah. That's very, I'm curious to, to understand more about this. Did you envision four years ago a world where you're sitting in the president seat of America's now, and, or con you know, conversely, uh, a world where you're the global head of marketing, not just the head of a region. How did that unfold for you? <laughs> that sometimes it's a luck, it's opportunity, luck and right? Opportunity. Knowing right. knowing what's ahead of you. Right, right, yeah. yeah. So I think uh, taking on the role as a global marketing, that was, a, I would say, it was the right time. Yeah. Right. So it's at the at the right time, a right place, uh, and it was an opportunity. Hmm. I was uh, ready for it, yeah. but then um, taking on the regional head role that is my goal but it was is within trina i did not know that wow. right right i was just saying is it something i wanted but right. i don't clear know that this is this is a direction i want right yeah, yeah. Executive it could management. Be, yeah. yeah it could yeah it wasn't completely targeted at trina I just yeah. say yeah. that's something i wanted well be. fantastic that it could be at trina congratulations right. that's Thank no you. that's no small feat yeah uh what career uh advice or you know, what key lessons or takeaways from mentors in your life 
would you say have affected your career? And perhaps that maybe something a mentor has shared with you that you hold as a negative truth that you pass on to others. Uh, you know, kind of goes back to what I call a stepping stone. So mm -hmm. that was a really important. I remember my early careers, yeah. right? So I talked to my mentor. What he asked me is, Gene, think about what do you want to be? Like, uh, were you going to be um, CEO or you want to be VP of sales or you want to be um, top of manufacturing person? Right. Then, then you look at the, t to possess that job, what type of skills a person need to have. Yeah. Then you, you know, so you, then you take the job purposefully trying to acquire those skills, as I was mentioning earlier, about a toolbox. Yeah. Now you have all the tools in your pocket mm -hmm. and the learn the skills and then, then you'll be ready for the job. So, yeah. Very, very interesting. And is there a particular role that you took intentionally to gain a skill, even though it wasn't your favorite, that wasn't the direction you thought? Right, right. You know, I actually, you know, I could speak of it. It was the supply chain job. I had oh, yeah. that job for a um, little while. It was when Just I was first. Prior to Soul Focus. Yeah. Oh, no, after Soul after Focus. After Soul Focus. Yeah. Okay. So, at the NanoSolar, I was a product development, and then I was in the supply chain for a little okay. while. And I was asking for doing the job. I said, no, I don't want to. I want to do supply chain. Right. But then then you kind of go in and say, well, okay, what are the specifics within that job that helps me to right. acquire the skills? So you carve out a specific your rules and responsibility that not only you can contribute to, to the success of the company, but yeah. then you're also personally you're growing. Very, uh, but, but you know, it's hindsight, it was a good experience. Yeah, yeah. and very thoughtful uh, crafting based on a mentor's advice yeah. of, where, of additional tools in your toolbox. Right. I, I understand, okay. Right. Well, what do you consistently see entrepreneurs, developers, even marketing professionals doing that they should perhaps stop doing, right? Like you have a purview over an entire industry, from residential to commercial installers and industrial utility installers, as well as internally, you know, marketing professionals. Is there something that you see over and over again that you think, oh, when are they going to learn? You know, what, <laughs> what, what sort of what thing do you see, or maybe a couple of things where you would say, gosh, really, I wish that I could tell all of these guys to stop doing this thing because it's not benefiting them, it's not serving the industry, or it's not serving their goals. That's pretty broad. It's kind of tough to say. I would just advise to people is uh, anything you do, especially on the entrepreneur and new product, uh, yeah. um, is uh, you got to always get to the voice of the customer. Right, uh, right. Understand what market needs. And yeah. you, you know, as a technologist, oftentimes we get overly excited about right. a new, new technology, but technology is the only only matrix, yeah. right? So it's really uh, the overall plan, how you enter the market and uh, yeah, introduce it at the right yeah. time with the right features, yeah. Let's move to a segment I call Learning Leadership and Legacy. What books are you digging into? I don't know if you read for pleasure or read for, uh, for release or if you read for, uh, on, a, on a daily basis, but how, do you, how does reading inform your, uh, your leadership style or, or actually just to help, help you Break away. Yeah, I mean, I think a book is reading is more for, for me to break away. I mm. read enough online with the various industry trains or yeah. other things, but you know, I like a historic novels. Okay. Uh, um, you know, uh, it just uh, different genres of a book, right? Yeah, so different. Uh, uh, different. I was reading the 
how to artificial intelligence. Oh yeah, uh, is, yeah. That, is that a, is that a, a, an area that you're reading a lot about lately? I've been reading recently. I've been reading about yeah. that. Yeah. Any but. any books that you would recommend or anything that you that's caught your attention? Oh, I forgot the name of the author. I've been reading the book is how to build a how to create a mind. How to one. create a mind. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'll look it up. So I'll we I like to recommend books for for Suncast listeners. So how to re, how to create a mind. Yeah. Okay. We'll get the uh, we'll get the author and share that in the show notes. What one thing do you do consistently that yields the greatest impact or results in your personal or professional life? Hmm. I think it's just uh, sound like a little bit odd, but it's important as taking care of yourself. Mm-hmm. Self care. Uh, yeah. yeah. I think you know I maintain trying to uh, maintain my exercises skill um, mm-hmm. schedules. Yeah. Right? I don't do very long exercises, but I still run every other day yeah. and uh, going to gym. It's Where do you find time? You're between talking to China and running a, bu- a business in the Americas. I try to get up early in the morning. That's yeah. what I, you know, when everything starts. Do you have a morning routine? That's yeah, uh-huh. yeah. It's six o'clock. That's my six morning o'clock. routine. Yeah. yeah, yeah. What time are you out running when you go run? I usually six o'clock. I go, you know, run by seven to seven o'clock. It's one hour. Wow, um, an yeah. hour running. You got yeah. me beat. Mm, probably yeah. less though, because I had to drive to the okay. field. Like, yeah, but to me, it's just a time to myself, get uh-huh. airs, and uh, when you have self care, then you feel better about yourself. Right, yeah. which is a challenge when you're traveling on the road. Yeah. Do you have that conversation with your team? No, that's a good question. No, I haven't. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting, because I. I could name a couple of folks on your team who yeah. probably would benefit from hearing that yeah. it's okay yeah. to take care of yourself. It's yeah. okay to focus on a time of your day where you are really making sure that you're got, you've got your mind straight that, yeah. and you've got your body healthy. Yeah. I think it's important. Right? Yeah. 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 Hmm. Where can people find out more about what you're up to or what Sharina is, is doing next? Um. I'm not an active uh, Twitter. I'm not a Maven. <laughs> <laughs> but occasionally I do have uh, posting some things on are, the LinkedIn. Are you on LinkedIn? Yeah, I'm on yeah. LinkedIn. Okay. So definitely look at Trina's website as uh-huh. well. Uh, yeah, we have uh, some pretty I- interesting marketing initiative cross sponsorship with uh, yeah. with Circuit D That's a, that's oh, a, right. yeah, yeah. So you guys are gonna have a a customer event at, at SPI, SPI, right? Yes, yeah. that should be fun. Yeah, I know it's a it's a very very select group of folks. Yeah. So good luck for for all those who would want to go to this special Cirque du Soleil event for Trina. How might the Suncast community help you or or Trina? Is there any particular ask you would have? Well, um, tell us what do you think about Trina. Let mm-hmm. us know what. Um, yeah, what product, uh, what kind of the next thing you'd like to see from Trina? Yeah, so yeah. sound off, Suncast community. Let us know if there's something that you think Trina is uh, should be bringing to market or if there's you have a particular opinion about where Trina is or where they should be. Yeah. Ping Jing or, or hit me up on uh, on Twitter at Nico Mayo. I'll make sure that, that the information gets to Jing. Based on, you know, given your position in the company, I'm not going to ask for your email. Usually we share contact information, but uh, if you need to reach out to Jing, uh, you want an introduction, feel free to reach out to me and I'll make sure that, that introduction gets made. Last question. We always end with a bold prediction, Jing. What one thing do you see happening in the market that perhaps nobody else is tracking? What's in your crystal ball? Hmm. I would say 
it's really what I call the energy, the like people break away from a utility company. Ah, so so kind of like cutting the cord for uh, for cable, but for the energy right, sector. Right, right. So it become more of an energy independent. Mm. Yeah. So mi more microgrids, a lot more energy independent. Right, community independence and yeah. those. So yeah. Fascinating. And when blockchain gets implemented and solar coin is is rampant. Yeah. This is going to be fascinating. Well, when that happens, we'll certainly talk about it here on Suncast, Jing. Thank you so much. This has been a pleasure, and I really enjoyed time with you. Yeah, same here. I appreciate your time. Very good. Thanks. That's a wrap on today's conversation, Solar Warriors, and you're now well-armed for battle. Hopefully, you'll take away some great tools for your own success. I'd love it if you'd share what you learned or share the episode over on LinkedIn. Let me know what other tools you need. If you want to sharpen the axe a little bit more, I've shared some of the resources we discussed in today's conversation over at mysuncast.com. Just click on the latest episode link in the title bar. Perhaps the best tool in your arsenal might be subscribing to the mailing list while you're there so that you'll get an email from yours truly when new content is available. Have a suggestion for someone you think should join the conversation? Email me, nico at mysuncast.com or shoot me a message on LinkedIn. Hey, that's it. Thanks for being here. Until next time, stay informed, my friend, and stay tuned.